Hey, welcome to Pastor Doug Talks About. I am here with Pastor Doug. Thank you for joining us today, sir. It is wonderful to be here, as always. Yeah, you know, uh, something that many people might not know about you is how you got your start in ministry. And so um, I know this about you because I know f- I've known you for a while. We met before. Yeah. Although you did get your start in ministry long before I even came along. Yes, I did. So um, the way you kind of got introduced to the Lord was through essentially youth, right? A camp, youth camp, people in youth group. Yes. And then you pretty much hit the ground running, got involved with your youth group ministry team and then eventually found yourself on staff with youth ministry at a couple different churches over the years. Um, tell us some of your favorite things about being a youth minister. Well, uh, the truth is, when I sensed a calling to ministry, all I knew was youth ministry. I didn't grow up in the church, and the church that I was a part of, it was as if the youth ministry was a completely separate entity from the rest of the church. And so I didn't really think in terms of the whole church in those days. All of my experience in the church was in a youth group. And so when I felt called to ministry, I felt called to be a youth pastor. And one of my part of my vision was I wanted to be that 70-year-old youth pastor who's still relevant to junior hires when he's 70 years old. Because it always bothered me that a lot of the people I knew saw youth ministry as a stepping stone to something bigger in their ministry career. Yeah. And I've never even thought about a ministry career. I just am doing what God's called me to do. So I always wanted to be a youth minister. And when God called me to be a senior pastor, I did not like it at all. Yeah. I was really unhappy with that. And it took a long time for the Lord to really get my heart around because I felt like my heart is for teenagers and that's what I want to work with. Now they drive me crazy and I'm glad I'm a I'm yeah, an now adult you, you pastor. You have made the 70-year-old mark. And that's already, right. And already, yeah. You're no, cool. I'm probably still, glad I you're still not there. love teenagers. Yeah. But what were some of the most fun things you like doing? Oh, we did all kinds of stuff. Um in a larger youth group, in a smaller youth group. Uh, and a lot of what you do in youth ministry is about how to keep their attention. And I talked about this in my sermon this week that I, I used a curriculum one time that was super active for Sunday school and all the kids are running around and having marshmallow fights. And and the, the thing was, by the end of time, they remembered all of the fun things they did, but they hadn't learned anything from the Word of God. And it seemed like uh, I kept them entertained, but the message got lost. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was hoping to go with this was, you know, sometimes we as part of a ministry team here have to, uh, not sometimes, a large part of my job specifically is planning out events and um, maybe producing Sunday morning services, that kind of stuff where I do have to pay attention to, hey, are people enjoying this? Are they getting something out of this? Like, are we bringing more people into the building on Sunday mornings? Um, Are we reaching people where they're at throughout the week? And a lot of that involves you know, analyzing, Hey, is, is this working? Is this not working? What should we do better? What should we, you know, focus on? Um, but the truth is a lot of that stuff can get in the way, as you talked about in your last sermon, uh, about, uh, shifting our focus into what really matters. So where is that line? Where should we be paying attention to, Hey, we should really try this thing out or, Hey, this is a distraction from our ultimate message. Do you have any advice on that as a someone who may be leading a group or figuring out how to minister to people? I think that the line is clearly there and that um, there have been some times when 
I have crossed that line with good intentions and not even realized it until later. The, the, the marshmallow war thing is an example of that. Uh, and we've done some crazy things, especially in youth ministry, a lot of crazy things that are just for fun and excitement to try to get the kids wanting to come. So it's almost like you you create this really fun event and, oh, let me shove the gospel into five minutes of our time together. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's a very hard thing to know exactly where's the line. When I was first in youth ministry, one of the things we used to do was we'd get a group of boys, high school boys, and we would go buy 25-pound blocks of ice and we would go ice blocking. And if you don't know what ice blocking it is, you get at the top of a grassy hill and you sit on an ice block and you slide down and you crash and it's fun. Uh, the yeah, problem typical is, Southern California day. Exactly. The problem is it tears up the grass. And we were breaking in to a uh, private country club and we were ice blocking on their golf course. And then when the police came, we ran from the police and got away. This is what we did in the name of ministry. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a line somewhere and sometimes you can cross it. That's, uh, that's a good example. (laughs) I would say that. Uh, yeah, that is, that is so bonkers that that would even be an option. Cause I did youth ministry in this church for a while and, uh, and I didn't let you get away with anything. Yeah. I was going to say, it wasn't even you. It was just like, Oh, if we go walk over to the liquor store, not a liquor store, that sounds like not the liquor liquor store, store. uh, the AMPM. I I meant something like that to grab a snack with the, you have to get a permission slip nowadays and, and, uh, probably 20 bucks just to afford a candy bar. So it's a little bit different era, I would say. Um, but yeah, that's, it's an interesting, especially I feel like when you're ministering to certain groups of people, like with youth or kids, stuff like that, we oftentimes, one of the big strategies we, we take is, Hey, we want people to want to come back and hear more about the word. And I think that's good, obviously, right? You don't want to just say, okay, great meeting you, and then let them go. I know that the big strategy of relationships that Jesus taught himself, or relationship, the big strategy of ministry is relationships, is what I was meant to say. And, you know, to, to have genuine relationships, you need to spend time with people. So getting people to want to come back to things is obviously a good thing and what we should be aiming for to some degree. But like you said, if, if they're just coming back and they're not getting anything out of it, then I would argue that's worse than probably not coming at all. Yeah. Trying to get people to want to come is a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. Yeah. And I think that's where sometimes with good intentions, we in uh, ministry cross that line. And I think, you know, for example, on a Sunday morning at our church, Grace Fellowship, uh, we we try to have really uh, the room. We want it to be comfortable. We want there to be good, uh, easy access parking. We want there to be uh, great care for your children. We want there to be good coffee. We want there to be warm welcomes. We want there to be good lighting and good sound and good video production. We want the music to be good. We want the preaching to be engaging. We want to do all of those kinds of things. Uh, But But that's all with a purpose in mind. The idea is that we're trying to help people connect with God. And that's what our Sunday mornings are built around. We're trying to help people connect with God, either by introducing people to Jesus, giving them a a format and an opportunity to worship 
collectively, um, uh, times of prayer, times in the Word of God. That's what our Sunday mornings are designed for. There are other times we get together and we just have like a bunko party, and that's just for fun and relationship building. Uh, And there's a place for that too. But I think sometimes the Word of God, the message of the gospel, true worship can get lost in the packaging of the whole thing. Yeah, you know, we last week we talked a little bit about the Super Bowl and all that stuff going on. This last couple weeks now, I've been just on my video feeds on social media, just seeing a bunch of wild examples of what churches did on Super Bowl Sunday to get the crowds in and to, to you know, hopefully entertain them and keep them there and give them a good impression of their church. I would say that most of the videos I saw, I'd be hard pressed to choose to do that at, at church here. Um, you know, do you, do you see any value in doing kind of outrageous stuff? I know you just mentioned we do bunko stuff or, you know, have some parties that really aren't biblically centered at all other than just building relationships. So is there a place for that on Sunday mornings, like to periodically do something like that? Maybe Easter Sunday when you know a bunch of new people might be there. Um, or do you have a hard press rule where you're like, no, there needs to be at least this many verses read, you know, to really get the gospel across. Easter Sunday is a great example. Easter Sunday is coming up here in six weeks or so, and already we are working on planning an Easter egg hunt and fun things for the kids and activities and talking about uh, buying new banners to put up and how we're going to decorate the building and all of that kind of stuff. There is a place for all of that. And there is something to be said for how do we get people's attention and make them say, you know what, I do want to visit that church. But we have to keep in mind why we were trying to get them here. We're trying to get them here so that God can be honored and glorified and people can connect with him. And so, hey, if somebody comes because they want their kid to have an Easter egg hunt, I'm all for it. But we're not going to take the worship service and turn it into a circus so that everybody will say, boy, wasn't that fun. I learned a lesson a thousand years ago in ministry. Uh, and somebody said, whatever you do to get them is what you have to do to keep them. Mm. And I thought, man, all these ideas are, hey, we're going to have a drawing. We're going to give away a car. We're going to like literally churches do that on special occasions. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not here to question. I don't know how it is that people get their inspiration for these things and what their goals are and what their purposes are. I don't claim to understand. But I'm, I'm telling you, we're not simply here to draw a crowd. And the interesting thing is that as I read the Gospels, more often than not, when there's a crowd, Jesus does something to get rid of the crowd yeah. because his ministry focus is on getting the group smaller so it can have a deeper impact on individual lives. So it's not that a big crowd is bad. There are numerous times when Jesus ministered to big crowds, but uh, his overall ministry strategy was not just get a crowd so that everybody could say, wow, they broke attendance records. Um, the idea is that somehow the gospel is presented, the word of God is taught, uh, God is worshipped collectively by the body of Christ. And for us, not every church has the same philosophy. Everybody programs differently. But for us, our Sunday mornings 
are designed primarily to help people connect with God. And so really our Sunday morning services are aimed at believers. We are aware that there are unbelievers who are there sometimes, or there are unbelievers who are listening online, and we welcome them and we're thrilled they're there. And we always want to make it uh, clear that God loves you and he has a plan for your life, and and we want you to investigate the gospel. We want to introduce you to Jesus. But my sermons are not really usually designed as evangelistic efforts. They're usually designed to teach the body of Christ because our Sunday morning gatherings are for the body of Christ to connect with God. Yeah, and that's not to say that there's, uh, first of all, it's not even to say that there's anything wrong with evangelistic messages. That's a not. great thing. Those should be done often and frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do that every once in a while. You do have some more intentional evangelistic sermons. We also do different events, whether it's in the community or with our missions teams or different things that do emphasize more the evangelistic efforts. Um, and then there's other churches that really specialize more so in that outreach style type thing, mm-hmm. um, which those are obviously good too. So I just want to make sure we're not we're not in any way saying that's not how a sermon should be, right? Exactly. What I'm saying is that our Sunday mornings are designed to help people, all people, connect with God. Yeah. And and sometimes that's by introducing people to God, but oftentimes it's really aimed more at the, at the people who are followers of Christ. Now, different churches do this differently. Uh, there's a whole strategy where churches use their weekend services primarily as outreach events and their midweek gatherings are where they're teaching the word and doing prayer and worship. I'm not here to argue any of that. I'm just saying what we're doing on Sunday mornings is aimed at helping people, primarily the body of Christ, connect with God. Yeah, and one other thing that we do here and that most churches do to some capacity is a small group. And we have a lot of different small groups. We call them grace groups here. And one of the things that I would just challenge any listener to do is get involved in a small group with um, a group of believers who are going through a Bible study or talking about the messages, or but ultimately who are are building into each other's lives because like you mentioned with Jesus, his strategy was not to, okay, where can we get the biggest crowd in so I can give a great message? Generally, a lot of his most impactful times of teaching was one-on-one with disciples or one on three-on-one or whatever the number may have been, but very small groups where it's really focused or can be really intentional. Um, And if you're just consuming a Sunday morning as your, that's your typical, like, way you feed into the word. Maybe you do some Bible study on your own, that kind of stuff. You're really missing out on the way God designed ministry to to be. And so make sure you're always being poured into in a um, small group way and make sure you're also pouring out to others in a similar way. Exactly. And I want to say that when you see these clips of churches that are doing you know, fun, exciting, strange things on a Sunday morning to to bring in a crowd. I have no way to make a comment on the whether that's a good idea or a bad idea in their context because it may be part of a much larger plan and that's not what they're trying to use their Sunday morning for. Uh, however, there is value in trying to get people interested in what it is that we're sharing. And there is clearly a place where you say, okay, 
if the sound is terrible and they can't hear the message, that's bad. So we have to invest in a good speaker system. If the, if the lighting is turned off and nobody can see the face of the person who's speaking, that's bad. So, so all of these things have a place. The, for me, the issue is, do we sometimes lose the message in the method? Mm-hmm. And it can feel really exciting when you had the biggest crowd you've ever had on a Sunday morning and everybody had a great time. But if nobody actually engaged with God, if nobody actually heard the Word of God, the Word of God is what God uses to change lives. And so I always am going to look for a way to make sure I'm preaching the Word of God. And and I personally uh, use humor as a tool. And some of that's just my personality, but a lot of that is because I know that people uh, respond to humor. People are drawn into humor. And so when I'm preaching, there's usually some humor in my message. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes it's not planned, and sometimes I wish I hadn't said what I said, but <laughs> but humor is a part of my message uh, oftentimes because I know that's a part of what causes people to stay interested. We're dealing in a, in a day and age when attention spans are the shortest they've ever been. People are used to 90-second clips at max. Yeah, I was going to say, that's pretty long for a clip. Yeah, even. at max. And, and so um, I think that we have to be aware of that. But you know what? I, it, I'm not going to be able to faithfully expound on a passage of Scripture in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so I, on the one hand, I think we need to be mindful of good, creative ways to get the truth of God's Word across. On the other hand, I'm not willing to compromise God's Word just so I can say, well, but it was really funny, or it was really fun, or it was short, that's not my goal. Yeah. And look, the truth is I'm going to go home after this. I'm going to edit a clip together of us saying something probably silly, put it on our social media to hopefully draw some eyes to our podcast. Right. That's, that's the reality of the situation. So in no way am I trying to get to this point of, you know, you should just, just teach the word by just reading the Bible to people and expanding on that. And, and that's, and then you should commit all your off time to being around other Christians. And clearly that's not what we're saying. Um, and I just want to emphasize that because the, the reality is you've probably seen the clip by now I put out and, um, you know, that's one of the ways that we do see, um, our ability to reach people in, in, in a broader sense. Right. And, and to maybe, like you said, grab the attention of someone and then throughout the rest of the thing, be pointing them to Jesus. Ultimately, whatever we're doing, we want our method to point people to Jesus. That's exactly right. And not only are we trying to point people to Jesus, we're trying to connect people with Jesus and we're trying to help them grow in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. All people that are that are coming say to a Sunday morning worship service at Grace Fellowship need to they're in all different places in their relationship with God and we want to help them move forward in that. Yeah. I think where the danger takes place is when we get so caught up in trying to attract them or keep their attention that the message gets overshadowed. Think about it like this. Let's imagine that that we run a hospital. And 
hospitals are universally known to have terrible food, right? Everybody complains about hospital food. So we think, okay, how are we going to reach people? We are going to hire a five-star Michelin chef, and we are going to have the best food in any hospital anywhere. We put an advertising campaign together about that. Come to our hospital. You'll eat like a king. It's going to be the best food ever. And we knock it out of the park with food, and everybody talks about how great our food is. But to do that, we also have to cut price. We have to cut uh, our expenses by maybe not having such good doctors and maybe get some equipment that's old and used and whatever. And the care that you get doesn't bring healing, but you had a great filet mignon. I think that's what sometimes is happening if we're not careful in the church, that that we've sort of lost our focus on what we're supposed to be doing and what we're supposed to be about because it's so enticing to get a big crowd, hold a big crowd, and let the crowd the crowd applaud for us. And and that's not what Jesus has called us to be all about. Yeah. It's it's hard because as I mentioned, you know, we're planning the methods, we're planning what we're doing, and ultimately what we're desiring is to point people to Jesus. And we want to be cautious and take our job seriously in the fact of not trying to get in the way of our own message, like you're saying. And that can be hard to do because, frankly, sometimes you're just like, oh, we just need more people to be here. And then they hear about Jesus and eventually kind of, you know, get in the, the fold of things in the normal way. But I like what you said earlier about the, the fact that you can't expect to to do something and retain people by not doing that thing often. I mean, people don't go to... Um, I don't know the movies and have the best experience of their life. Or let's say, let's say an airplane, like they pick the Emirates flight, right? And they get first class and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And then the every other time they buy tickets for the same thing, cause they got those really cheap through this special deal or they wanted in a prize. And then they get it the next time and they're, they're not in first class anymore. They're just in, you know, business and, and, or wherever. I don't even know what the worst classes are on a plane. This Last is, class. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I never touch anything that's not the cheapest one. So I don't know much about plane <laughs> stuff. But uh, yeah, you and then you get back on and you're not getting the champagne for free. You're not getting the leg space. And you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> I may not be flying this flight again. And that's kind of how I feel like strategy goes into sometimes with church events, right? Or ministries or different things. It's like, yeah, we're going to really pump up this thing and make them have the best day of their life. And then just expect them to be a normal church member like the rest of us, normal people. It's like, uh, that just doesn't work. I mean, that doesn't work in any field, right? So uh, the best thing we can do too is is offer them who Jesus is and um, help them understand more about him and realize this is what they need in their life. And that's not just in the church building either. That's wherever you are, where you're ministering to people. Um, it's hard sometimes because you, you want to invite people to church because that's where you're comfortable and stuff. And um, that's good. Sometimes you should do that. But other times, um, you know, just making sure you're pointing them to who Jesus is and making sure you're not doing anything that's um, going to get in the way of that in, in the process of your presentation. You can draw a big crowd, but if you draw a big crowd 
and then they leave unchanged because they haven't had an encounter with God and haven't had an encounter with God's word, then I think you've done more harm than good. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to put a bow on things, there is a, you have to use caution when you're using different methods because you don't want to get in the way of your own message. And that's something that as church leaders specifically, you and I have to really grapple with on a regular basis. But the truth is we all have to grapple with that because we are all in the ministry field at all times. And frankly, um, the way we live our lives is whatever method you're going for to minister to people in a, in a sense. And you need to be careful that how you're living your life is not getting in the way of your message of Jesus and who he is. So we'll leave you with that. And as always, I'll leave you with my catchphrase of the day, which is it's a little bit sunny today. Go enjoy a nice walk. And um, if you see your mailman, he may be running away from you because of what happened last time. So just leave him alone this week. But uh, I, I hope you have a great week and we'll hope to see you soon.